Hello and welcome back to Biola Backstage. My name is Charlotte McKinley and I am your host. Here with me today is one of my favorite deans, not that I'm biased, Dr. Todd Guy. Dr. Guy has been the Dean of the School of Fine Arts and Communication, or SOFAC, for five years. Before that, he was at Indiana Wesleyan for about 30 years. He has his doctorate from Ball State University in choral conducting, and you can usually see him walking from place to place around campus. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Thank you, Dr. Guy, so much for being here today. I'm very excited to talk to you. Like, when once I took over Biola Backstage, I was like the first person, one of the first people I wanted to talk to was you. So I'm very glad you're here in the studio now. Well, thanks, Charlotte. It's good to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. So I wanted to start off by asking, you used to teach music, right? That's correct. Where did you teach music? Yeah, I taught for 30 years at a, a school, another Christian university in the Midwest. And there I was director of choral activities. So I directed numerous choirs, um, took a program with about 40 students in, in my first choir. Actually, I had, you know, it was a small group. And when I left, I had over 200 uh, students singing each day in multiple choirs. So um, I, I taught um, choral methods, choral conducting. And then I also uh, combined with that, I was in charge of the worship arts program. So I prepared students to be that at that time, it was music ministers and, and things like that. So um, yeah, so it's been a while it's, I, I, that I've taught there. How did you get into music? What started your passion and what do you do musically? You know, that is a great question. So I grew up in the church and so my mom played the piano. We were always in a congregation, a lot of singing in the congregation. And so I was always exposed to music as, at an early age. In um, probably in about junior high, I started taking piano lessons. And this is a terrible story, but I would go to my piano lesson for about the first 10 minutes and then tell the piano teacher that I wasn't feeling well, and then I'd leave, and so I'd have another 30 minutes before my mom came to pick me up, and I would be on the basketball court. <laughs> and so I, 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 uh, I wasted a lot of time um, and my parents' money trying to uh, be involved in, in, in music from that, from that time, but I enjoyed sports so much more. So, so I, I, in high school, while our, our high school had music, we had a concert band, but not a, not a choir, uh, I was heavily involved in instrumental music. But then when I went to college, I went to college on a baseball scholarship and I was going to be a dentist. And while I was there, small Christian college, uh, someone said, why don't you try out for the, to the choir? I enjoyed singing. As I said, I was involved instrumentally in, in high school, but we always did musicals. And so I was, I was in all of the musicals and things like that. So I said, OK, I'll, I'll try out. And I tried out and absolutely loved it. I think the infectious bug of choral music bit me at that time. I changed my major to, to music education and uh, church music and um, still tried to play baseball, but <laughs> baseball practices were right during choir. So I had to, had to leave choir early, get to baseball practice late. And so my coach wasn't too excited about that. And so it just became really difficult to do that. And so I sold out completely to, to music during my college years. And that's what really got me uh, excited about not only using music as a conduit, it's really my conduit that connects me to God. Mm. It's that connection piece. I, I feel most at home when I'm 
I'm conducting, I feel most at home when I'm uh, singing or, or worshiping the Lord from that standpoint. So that's, that's kind of, it's a longer story, but that's, that's kind of what it is in a nutshell. So you said you were involved in musicals. Which musicals were you in? Yeah, so I was in uh, My Fair Lady. I was Freddie Einsford Hill. I was uh, on the street where you lived. I was Music Man in the, the song, in Music Man. We did the musical Fagin and uh, Pickpocketers. Um, I can't remember the name of the musical now, but th- those are some of the ones that I was involved in. So what led you to Biola and how did you become the dean? Yeah, so that's a great story. You know, my last institution, I was there over 30 years. Mm. I thought I'd retire there. I got a call from a uh, search firm saying that this position was open. I said I was not interested. A year later, I got another call from the search firm saying, hey, this position's still open, and we'd like for you to at least submit some application material. So I did that, and with no intention of leaving the institution I was was at, very happy there, very comfortable there. But as I was walking through that process, God kept opening doors. My wife, she was also teaching at the same institution that 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 were that I was at. She was the uh, chair for the division of nursing there, and we kept saying, you know, if God keeps opening these doors, we've got to step through them. And He kept reminding us that He doesn't ever call us to be comfortable; mm. He calls us to be obedient. And so, as things kept progressing, uh, doors kept opening, and we kept walking through those doors. And um, goodness, now we're here, and so excited about being here. I was I was dean back at Indiana Wesleyan. That's the school I'm talking about. Enjoyed that very much. Enjoyed uh, my teaching career there. Biola is a special place, and I'm so happy to be here, and so excited to see what God is doing here at, at Biola. I I'd, I'd known of Biola while I was a professor back. In Indiana Wesleyan and never thought I'd have the opportunity to be at Biola and gosh, to, to, to work with such an outstanding faculty that we have in the School of Fine Arts and Communication and wonderful students like yourself is just, I have to pinch myself every day. Now, there are, the job comes with challenges for sure, but in light of all of those challenges, the blessing that we have to see young minds shaped and molded so that every day they look in the mirror and they see less of themselves and they see more of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I play a small part in that, but I, I, I feel real fortunate to have that opportunity. So as a dean, what exactly are you doing? What, 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 is, what does that look like? <laughs> that is a great question. That's a great question, Charlotte. You know, as the dean, I have the opportunity to facilitate faculty so that they can accomplish what they need to accomplish in the classroom so that our students thrive. So my job is really servicing my faculty and my staff so that they can do their job so that you as a student can thrive. Mm -hmm. So if you think of a big circle, in the middle of that circle are students. The The next circle our faculty, they have the most interaction with the students. And then you've got another with staff. And then way out at the end is where I am. So I'm not not that close to students. And so it's, it's not uncommon that you don't know what I do. My job is to facilitate those closest to the students so that they can do their job, so that they can accomplish their mission and do what they do to um, 
help you as a student thrive. So what does that look like practically? So I work with budgets. I work with hiring faculty, making sure that we bring in the faculty, number one, that are great mission fits for the university, because that's what guides all of us here. Philosophy mm -hmm. guides practice. So making sure we have wonderful faculty that believe in Christ, that know how to integrate what they're teaching in, into their into the into into the curriculum, and then just making sure that that they're they're doing that in a way that that that's honoring to Christ, obviously, but also, you know, mentoring students, working with students. So that's one of the most important things that I do is hire and develop and develop fac faculty, and then cast vision for the school. You know, our school is made up of five different departments. And um, before I came, they were very, very, we had a very, very flat structure. So each department kind of operated in their, in their own, kind of in their own sphere. Uh, and what we've tried to do over the last four years is bring more transaction between those disciplines and bring more sense of unity and community and, a, and, and bringing those resources together so that and casting a vision that moves all those departments uh, forward, not just each individual department doing their own, their own thing. Yeah, because, for instance, journalism and PR, they were one department when I first came here. That's the right. uh, media, journalism, and public relations That's was right. the department. And then they split uh, during my freshman year, but I still had the MJPR shirt, yes. and I was journalism <laughs> and PR, so I was like, I am still yeah. MJPR. <laughs> There's a collector's item for But that's that's the thing about, about organizations. They always, they're not static, mm -hmm. depending on what's happening, you know, with the headwinds of higher education, what's happening across the country, culturally, financially, economically things change and they're not static and and so i i'm excited about you know that that opportunity for change and uh, that opportunity for doing things in a different way perhaps than what we've done them in the past mm -hmm. and i i think that's the i think that's the the kind of the beauty of of higher education that we have that opportunity to do that earlier you mentioned that you wanted to try to unify not really make each department a silo but we have music which is like completely different than yes. journalism for yes. instance or communications <clears throat> or art and everything's like so like different and we ha have our own we have the division of fine arts and the division of communication correct that's correct so that's correct so how are you bringing them together so they're not all siloed yeah that's a that's a great question so as i as i said we had five five departments we have the Department of Public Relations, Communication, Studies, and Journalism. And then we also have the Department of Art and the Conservatory of Music. Now, theater, which used to be under Com Studies, has now moved under music because theater is is primarily a performing art. Mm -hmm. So so what we did, as you as you so eloquently said, we took those departments that were probably most like alike the visual and performing arts, art, music, and theater, and put them under one division. And then our media sections, mm -hmm. communication, journalism, public relations, put those under another. So the idea is now that they're in their own own divisions, they are doing a lot of things that they're looking at their curriculum to see how how does journalism interact with communication? How does PR interact with with journalism? How does music how do music and art transect? And there are there are lots of different transactions. Now the the harder part is as you said, how does the visual and performance 
performing arts transect with the com communication studies. There are great ways that they can do that. I mean, rhetoric, communication, media is all a part of what artists do. It's all a part of what musicians do. They all have to have that ability to communicate. They all have to have that, that ability to think creatively. They Art, there's so much transaction between photography and photojournalism. Mm -hmm. There's so much happening now from the standpoint of what's happening in, in music in terms of some of the uh, more the commercial music, commercial art that, again, can transect with journalism. There are, there are all types of uh, entertainment yeah. journalism. There's mm -hmm. all types of things that transect. And then there's that part of PR that kind of is brings them all together and, and, and such. So we hope to develop that more. Again, we're a really young school. Mm -hmm. I've only been here, this is my fifth year. So we've been together four years as a school. Two of those years have been in COVID. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it's been challenging from that standpoint. But I think as we continue with our school, and now that we've established these two divisions, there'll be more talking uh, and about ways, and hopefully it'll trickle down to students to see, oh, yeah, that does make sense why we're a part of this school or why we're a part of this division and how it how it can interact. Our goal is, is to create thought leaders among mm -hmm. culture creators. Thought leaders among culture creators can take place in any one of our departments. But the whole focus is that you will take what you're doing. You will be a great thinker. You're not just a doer, but you're a thinker. And then you'll influence your culture, wherever that is, whatever that looks like. You'll be an influencer in your culture because of the experiences that you've had here within our division, within our school, and at Biola, ultimately. Not that either one of us are biased or anything, <laughs> that we're in like the best school of the entire Biola. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what, in your opinion, aside from, well, obviously what we study, but what makes SOFAC unique d uh, compared to the other majors, uh, not majors, departments? Yeah, I, I think I touched on it just briefly, and maybe I need to unpack a little bit more, but it's that idea of being a thought leader among mm. culture creators. You know, in, in SOFAC, all of our programs, yes, there is an aspect of doing, but you need to be more than just someone who can balance a ledger. You need to be more than someone who, and I'm not, I'm not discrediting any of these other, I'm not talking, I, I don't want to sound like I'm talking down. People are called to different, different, and have a calling for a different area. And I think in SOFAC, what we try to do is create, again, thought leaders. People are go, who are going to take what they've learned in their classrooms, their discipline, and really be a culture creator mm. from that, from that standpoint. And so it's not just a matter of, learning how to hold a boom mic like you may do in in uh, in CMA which is which is great there are all kinds all kinds of positions for that and that's good those production things are good but we want you to be more than just a doer mm -hmm. we want you to be a thought leader and i think our areas help produce those types of those types of students so moving on a little bit from that kind of going in a completely different direction one of the things that I always like seeing is you're, I feel like I see you around campus like all the time. You're <laughs> off going all sorts of different places. And I know a few of the other deans from the other schools uh, 
and I don't really see them. Like, I see Dr. Lindblad in the calf most of the time. <laughs> but, like, the other deans, I don't see them, like, going to and from things. And maybe it's just because SOFAC is, it's literally the most, I think it's the most spread out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm any busier, and, prob- and probably most of my other deans are probably busier than I am. But you're right. Our school is very spread out across campus. So I'm, I'm going from one part of South Campus to North Campus to all different different parts of campus. And you know what? I'm I'm ADD. <laughs> so that that's uh, really helps me. And and I've, I I love Biola's campus. I mean, mm-hmm. I count it a blessing every time when I'm out walking on the campus. It's a beautiful campus. What I appreciate most about our campus is when I'm walking from from thing to thing, I'll see someone like you and you'll say hi, but there are students that I don't even know that'll look me in the eye and say hi and smile. We're a very friendly campus. Mm-hmm. And so that's that that's really encouraging. And I, I, I think um, that stems from our president. I mean, our president models friendship, models, you know, just being kind and such. And so I, I think, um, you know, again, I'm not any busier than anybody else. It's just that you're right. Our, our, our school is, you know, we've got communication there in Emerson. We've got you guys that are here in Perez. We've got the art department in, uh, in Bardwell. We've got music in Kroll and theater spread all over the campus so uh yeah so it's 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 not that i'm any busier they're not doing anything less it's just i i have to travel a little bit more so (laughs) well you get your ten thousand steps in though yeah exactly exactly so what is your favorite thing as a dean that you get to do well I do like when I have opportunities like this to sit down with students and talk. I mean, my first couple of years, I did a lot of listening tours. And so I got, got, to, got to meet a lot of students and, and listen to those, those students. So one of the things that I try to do now is try to attend as many events as possible. You'll see me at, at the majority of the, the music concerts. You'll see me at art openings, um, senior shows. You'll see me at theater productions. Those things I really, I really like. I love staying connected to students. But I think one of my most favorite things is every Thursday morning at 8.30, the deans meet together, mm. the academic deans meet. It's, it's called the Council of Academic Deans. And just to sit down with my, my fellow colleagues and hear the successes that are taking place. And I'm just so encouraged. They're, these other deans are so much smarter, so much more articulate, so do such a great job. And I'm just so encouraged by not only what they are doing in terms of leading their own schools, but their walk with Christ. You can see it's so evident and it's so encouraging and uplifting. So that's that's one of the other favorite things. So it's the students that I have the opportunity to 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 interact with when I when I go to these uh, different events. But I think I think if I had to choose one thing, it would be that opportunity on Thursday mornings at eight thirty. We have tough conversations in there. We discuss some really um, uh, uh, hard things, but. Uh, that camaraderie, that mm. that part of what what we do, that we're all in this together, and I tell you, Biola is very lucky to have upper leadership that that that's tremendous. But I have to tell you, my fellow deans, I I'm so impressed with each and every one of them, and feel it such a such a privilege to to be associated with them and to interact with them and to learn from them. 
Earlier, I interviewed Dr. Joy Qualls, who's an assistant dean, and mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of, I know I asked her in that interview what she described <laughs> her job as, right. and she said she was a liaison. That was practically most of right. her job. And then right. you just explained a little bit more about what you did as a dean, kind of mm -hmm. equipping the the faculty to do us to help us learn better things like that mm -hmm. could you compare contrast what you do and what dr qualls does yeah that's a that's a great question and that that um that position uh, associate dean grew out of our new structure mm. within within our school traditionally here at biola and really across the academy there um traditionally chairs uh, have been essential and very important administrative positions at the department level. In higher education, that is changing a little bit because of the just the direction that, that higher education is going, the headwinds that they're facing economically uh, and, and such. So the idea of, com of, um, of bringing uh, departments together like we've done in divisions and then changing the role of that the division chair to being less of an operational leader or administrator to more focusing on faculty development, focusing on curriculum assessment. That's what we've done with our chairs. Our chairs now are focusing more on the day-to-day -day curriculum, the day-to-day -day student issues, really wanting our curriculum to be the best mm -hmm. that it can be. And so they're doing less of the other administrative things that took a lot of their time. And now they're focusing primarily on curriculum, assessment, those types of things. Our associate deans are now doing much of the operational things that a chair used to do. So the associate deans, rather than chairing one department or, or giving direction over one department, now they're giving direction over several departments. But they're doing most of the operational mm -hmm. things that a cha those chairs used to do. And so they're dealing, they're dealing with some of the budget issues. They're dealing with some of the hiring. They're dealing with, with some of, some of the uh, curricular, curricular things. But most of the operational aspects of the division are being, it's being done by those associate deans. And you're right. They are on the dean's academic leadership team, which we call our DALT. <laughs> um, and uh, so they are, they're really, really important. In, in a way, and I've told my associate deans this, they're almost like super chairs. They're almost mm. like jumbo chairs from that from that standpoint. And and again, you know, with change, there's always that uncomfortable experience or what's this going to look like? How is this going to impact me? And and to be honest, we've been we've been grappling with that over the last year and a half as we've implemented this. I think we're starting to uh, settle in on what that structure looks like and the efficiencies that it brings that we that we didn't have before and now now have as a result but that's that's what part of education and part of you know structure is it it is it is changed and and uh, there's no doubt in my mind that as we move forward here at Biola we'll see more change we'll see more structural changes from that that standpoint but those associate deans are very very important roles because they handle a lot of the operational uh, aspects of the administrative process within their own with uh, within their own divisions. Moving on to yeah. a completely different, yeah, that's well, okay. not really completely different. We're still talking about <laughs> SOFAC. 
What is your favorite performance to go to? Ooh. I know, it's a hard oh, question. Oh, man, that's a hard one. <laughs> man, I, I tell you, well, I'm a choral person. Okay. So I do have a little bias there. <laughs> I love choral music. Um, you know, I, I remember talking with Dr. Shauna Stewart. She was on the uh, committee that interviewed me. She said, well, you know, the choral position is filled here. <laughs> you know, and I said, that's great. I, 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 I love it, but I was at, I'm at a point in my career now that, you know, I'm ready to do something different. That was a great chapter. And so um, I, I do think, you know, the choral, the choral things are what really I enjoy the most. And maybe it's because, you know, that's what my background is. Um, are you asking about a specific performance that I that, or are you asking about in general? Both in general okay. and then specific. Okay, a specific performance uh, that I've that I've gone to. I'll tell you the one of the things that I really was impressed with. It was at, and it wasn't a choral, uh, it wasn't a choral performance, but one that sticks out in my mind was I think it was my first year I was here. The Symphonic Winds then was being conducted by uh, Dr. Dr. Feller, uh, actually played a whole concert of one of our student composers' pieces. This student is a fil- was a film composer major, commercial, commercial film composer, and they did a whole concert of just his music. His name is Sterling Moff. Sterling, I think that's his last name, Moff or Maffa. But Sterling went on from Biola, got a full ride scholarship at USC, and just completed his master's and now is doing a lot of work in the industry in, in Hollywood. He still is here in LA and his music is phenomenal. And I remember walking through the halls. I'll often walk through the halls at, at, um, at the music building and I'll sneak into the rehearsal just to get my fix on, on some music during the day and, and things like that. And I'll, I remember walking into that rehearsal and, and hearing them rehearse that music. I mean, this is not your ordinary student composer. I mean, this this kid is so talented, and the music was so. I mean, Dr. Feller would tell you it was very difficult, uh, but it was brilliant. It was moving. It was impactful, and you could tell that God has really touched this student and given him an extraordinary gift, and he's using it. Uh, he developed it here at Biola under Dr. Robert Denham's tutelage. Mm-hmm. Then went on to USC and got a, a prestigious award there for a full-ride scholarship. Someone from Biola got a full-ride scholarship at USC's music department. That's, that's amazing. So, but that performance was just really something that's good. And then, of course, I love the Christmas performances because we get to hear all of mm-hmm. uh, everything. I tell you, just recently, I, I got to go to Sweet Surrender. Sweet Surrender was hilarious. That cast was terrific. That slas- slapstick comedy, if you don't have the rhythm of that, you know, uh, the timing, it can drop really flat performance that I went to was spot on. The kids did a tremendous job. Hats off to Dr. Tracy and and uh, Professor Cole. The sets looked great. Technical things were great. And she was it was it was wonderful. But those are some of the highlights that I I think. And of course every year the, the conservatory does a, a concert in the fall 
And during COVID, we weren't able to do a lot of concerts. So they did their their Prism concert, which is a concert. It's a kaleidoscope concert. Everybody plays and sings, and they have auditions for solos and duets. But they did it outside in the parking garage. Mm. And they made that parking garage feel like I was in Carnegie Hall. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it was a gorgeous setting. They had lights. They had sound. It was it was it was good. It just it just again was a testimony to the hard work that the conservatory did during a very difficult time. To do music uh, during COVID was was tough, and they they just rose to the occasion and just went above and beyond from that standpoint. I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm in my last year and I've made these relationships with these professors and with you Mm -hmm. and all sorts of other people and then it's like you stay here but then other people come in and there's a Mm -hmm. new crop and there's going to be a new Charlotte soon and (laughs) and it's just like how do how does that affect like I know you're not with the students all the time but how does that affect you yeah yeah, that's a that is a that is a great question. And when I was teaching, that was a, that was something I I had to deal with mm-hmm. later in my career. Yeah, when I was when I was a, a you know a junior professor and such, it, I didn't think about it that much. But as the years went on, it was harder and harder to get close to students because you knew that they were going to be leaving. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a real that was something I really really struggled with late in my teaching career. I felt myself pulling back because it hurt so much when a student left. Now, yes, you can stay in contact with people, but it's never quite mm-hmm. the same. And so I think it's it's taking advantage of these opportunities that you have while you're here to build those relationships and to not not necessarily to uh, drain as much as you can or get us out as much as you can. But in some sense, there's, there's, that's what we want. But realizing that, gosh, once you graduate, it, it is a little different. But there's always that tie. There's always that connection that, that you have with them. With me now, it's, um, as you said, uh, I'm not as connected with students. But, you know, I, I, do, I do find myself wanting to now get closer and get back to where I'm connecting a little bit more with students from that from that standpoint so wrapping up we have a question that we always ask our guests that come on but Professor Katata had a very brilliant question when I was talking to him. Of course he did. (laughs) He's he's fantastic. Uh, He said I should ask what do you want to communicate to SOFAC students specifically that they don't understand or that they don't get until it's too late? Ah, that's a, that's a good, good question. I think what I hope Biola students realize, and I think it's, you know, you always appreciate things when you leave. Mm-hmm. You look back and you reflect on things. I think if I, if, if I could say maybe one thing, and, I, and um, it would be that, that I think students really, really, really need to realize that they're at a special place. Mm-hmm. Biola, having been at different institutions, Biola is unique. There are some unique qualities of Biola that you don't find at other institutions. The residential experience here is rich. The residential experience is important. The residential experience is where you you get your the breadth of a of a liberal arts of a liberal arts experience, and then you get the depth of your major, and that's really important. You can get that anywhere, 
at any liberal arts school. But it's the added opportunities that we have with studying scripture, the mm-hmm. Bible. It's the added opportunities that you have, that you have those interactions with, with faculty. So those added opportunities that you have where you are <laughs> where you are, are are doing more than just what's on the in the syllabus that I think is 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 unique to Biola and and I don't think we often realize that until we're gone so having the awareness and the insight to be reflecting every day on my experience I know there's the immediate we got to get this done we've got this this project but reflect on the immediate and and uh, reflect on the experience but also see how everything is is working in a in a in a way that that there's transection between your core courses, your major courses, what you're doing in the dorm, what's happening in spiritual life. They're all they're all built in such a way that it's helping to inform and form you in terms of truth, transformation, and testimony, which I think is really important. Three of the most important values here at at, at Biola University. So I think that's what I'd say. Really be reflective. Really really look at at this experience as just a short chapter mm-hmm. it's such a short chapter but it will impact your life moving forward in so many ways exactly i have the opportunity to see how that's impacted other people's lives through the university of communications we have a student alumni success yeah. form and every well one of the questions is how has biola impacted you for your life which is fantastic (laughs) because then i get to see how this the and not 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 necessarily so fact but like the school of education and how everything has impacted their lives Mm -hmm. so they can go out into nepal or taiwan and it's really the infusion of that that is done so much and I'm currently taking a French class at my community college back Mm -hmm. home so it's online and Uh just the way that education I mean it's community college but also it's a secular college and the way that the education is so vastly different from Biola's just astounds me and makes me even more grateful for my all-encompassing education that I've had here at Biola and I honestly wouldn't have changed anything for any anything in the world i it's just oh. being a senior, I, I I'm getting like teary eyed and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's just like it's such an opportunity. And I think people don't realize that until like it's too late and they complain about yeah. all the Bible classes they have to do. <laughs> or why do we have to do this much Bible integration? Mm-hmm. And like, why is this the way that it is? Why is yeah. this so expensive? And it's yeah. like you're OK. Yes, Biola is expensive, but it's an investment into mm-hmm. your life. And That's right. I yeah. wouldn't have changed yeah. that for anything. Thank you so much, Dr. Guy. I appreciate the time that you took talking about all the different things. <laughs> so thank you again for coming on. It was a pleasure. My privilege. Blessings on you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biola Backstage. It was a pleasure getting to talk with Dr. Guy and hearing his journey to Biola and his admonition to appreciate what you have while you have it. Next week, I am excited to release a never-before-heard episode with last year's host, Hayden Avakian. So join us next Monday for that. Until next time, Biola!